Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 6 on who the sons of God are and why they went away from God and how God didn't give up on them quickly, but fought for their repentance unto him just as he does to you and I when we stray away. Now, we have so much to be thankful for. Are you thankful for the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you thankful for thousands of years that the Jewish people preserved the scriptures for us today so that we could better understand who God is and have his written word to encourage us? Many of those faithful Jewish people in the Old Testament, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ himself, would want us to reach their lost relatives. They are God's chosen nation of people, but most of Israel today, the vast majority, is lost. And Tom Cantor and all of us here at Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries want to reach God's lost nation of brothers and sisters. Now, will you help us to do that? With a gift amount of $10 or more of support to reach lost Jewish people, we will send you Tom Cantor's life story and a wonderful track, and also, How Would You Learn the True Meaning of Christmas?, that's also another track that you can give out at Christmas time or Hanukkah. Support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism by calling us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. So if you'd all turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 6, and we'll continue this morning in our wonderful lesson here, a wonderful passage, really. In, uh, in Genesis 6, let's first of all look to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for being a teaching God and instructing God. We understand, Lord, your great love for us because you teach us and you instruct us and you want us to grow in you. So help us this morning to be, Lord, students that are not just here, Lord, to learn information, but to hear from the voice of our loving Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. Okay, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. That's a very important phrase, the face of the earth, if you keep that in mind. And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them, wives of all which they chose. So keep in mind those three words about what the sons of God did. They saw, they chose, and they took. And verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old. Men of renown, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the earth, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his ways upon the earth. 
And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it, it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that's in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, creeping things of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come into thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee. It shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. All right, now so far we saw that the two seeds, these two seeds, the sons of God, the sons of men, or the sons of the devil, and who are the sons of God? God identifies them in, in other parts of the Bible. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the authority to become what? Sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 8, 4 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Again, sons of God. So sons of God are those that have received Him to, as their Savior, as their Lord. Sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. 1 John uh, 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. It's a great, great love that God has crowned us with and bestowed on us that we should have this new name, sons of God. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Sons of, that's us. Sons of God, we believe. So when you read in this chapter here, in Genesis 6, about the sons of God, there are brothers, the ones are kin. And up until Genesis 6, these two seeds had kept to themselves, so to speak, separated from each other. The seed of Cain, or the seed of the devil, it had expanded, it had become prosperous in their lives without God. Even though they were liars and murderers, they built cities, they created inventions, and they blossomed in the arts also, music. And the seed of God also expanded, but their focus was different. And their focus was on calling on the name of God and on walking with God. So many of the other seed found absolutely of no value and no interest. But these two groups kept somewhat separate. God was with and God was working through the sons of God, the line of Seth. 
drawing those individuals closer and closer to himself. But to be separated from the sons of God did not mean that they had no contact with the other seed, the seed of the devil. That's not what it meant. It didn't mean that they went as monks and uh, up into some you know mountain and and, and lived their lives like that and uh, enchanted. Just didn't mean that. It didn't mean that because being sons of God, as we are, being sons of God meant that they copied God. They wanted to be like God, as we do. And they saw that it was always God's intention, always God's intention, to see the sons of the devil become the sons of God. It was always God's intention to save the sons of the devil. It was always God's intention to, through repentance, to see them come through repentance to cross over the line. And how did the sons of God know that it was God's intention to have all the sons of the devil saved? How did the sons of God know that God was not willing that any of the sons of the devil should perish? Because they knew the history of God. And they knew how God tried to work with Cain. They knew that. They knew that God had asked Cain why he was so angry. And they knew that God had warned Cain that sin was lying at his door. And it was just lying there like a lion ready to pounce on him and to put him into a bondage his desire would be to that sin. They knew that. And even though he didn't become a responder to God, that's characteristic of the line of God, of God's seed, but nevertheless, they, as a responder of God, the sons of God, and they wanted to be just like God. So they did that. And they wanted to be just like God. So they became preachers. That's what Noah is identified as, a preacher of righteousness. So the sons of God were like Noah. They preached, they warned, they wooed, they invited, like God did to Cain. They invited the sons of the devil to cross over the line, become a son of God, like we saw in, in John 1.12, to receive him. And you'll get the authority to become a son of God. Well, but the sons of God, so they were not absolutely separated from the sons of the devil in the sense of no contact. They reached out to the sons of the devil. But the sons of God did remain separated from the lifestyle of the sons of the devil. And that's the pattern that was good. And that's the pattern that pleased God. The sons of God with contact with, in relationships with the sons of the devil, so that the sons of God could be what God wanted them to be, which is stated in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now then, we as ambassadors, what does an ambassador do? He goes into a foreign country, representing the country he comes from. We are as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ said, be ye reconciled to God. Come and make the friendship. Come and throw down the weapons of your rebellion because God is, is for peace. And that's what the sons of God were doing. They were being little ambassadors for God. Just like my six-year-old granddaughter, Grace, who, who told her parents last week she wanted to go door to door in her neighborhood and invite people to know God. 
my four-year-old's grandson said, yeah, he wanted to be the one who pushed the doorbell button. So, <laughs> so they did yesterday. <laughs> and the sons of God in Genesis 6 were begging the sons of the devil to be reconciled to God. They had that in their heart. They wanted to see them come to know God. And so there was a sense in which the sons of God were not separated from the sons of the devil because for outreach purpose. But there was a sense also in which they were definitely separated from the sons of the devil because it says in 2 Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. We'll return with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in just one moment here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program. Maybe you listen to this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program while you're driving or listening at home or downloading and listening to these messages on the go. And you're growing in your knowledge of God and with your walk with God and friendship with God. We want to encourage you to just support this Bible teaching radio program. Tom Cantor received so many encouraging phone calls, letters, and emails about how you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program. We want to encourage you to support it so we continue airing on this station in this city. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org and donate online to support this Bible teaching radio program, or again, 800-247-3051. Now let's continue our Bible study with Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. doesn't say be ye isolated. He said be ye insulated. But that's not what it says. It says be ye separate. (laughs) Be ye insulated. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And it's important to be received by God. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, it says, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And then in Ephesians 5.12, it speaks about as far as what the sons of the devil do in secret. God said, it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So the sons of God were separate from their sins. They were separate from the filthiness, from the lying, from the murdering, from the blaspheming of the, the sons of the devil. They kept themselves clean. That was the way. It was. God had them as a bright, uh, I was going to say unsullied, but I'm really sounding like King James now, Uh, (laughs) undirtied, (laughs) Uh, bright witness, the the sons of God in a wicked world. And God worked through them as long as they kept themselves clean. God worked through the sons of God. They were calling on his name. They were walking with them. And God could work with the sons of God, as long as they did what it says in James 1.27. Keep himself unspotted from the world. Keep himself unspotted from the world. And that was the way it was until in our last lesson, as we saw, something horrible occurred. Something terrible. And it was the corruption of the sons of God through an intermingling of the seed. So how did it happen? We saw in verse 1 how the sons of the devil, the sons of men, those without God, they had daughters with exceptional, I guess, I don't know, outward beauty, 
what we can uh, suppose. It's what it says. They were very fair to look on. doesn't mean that they were uh, fair and just. It means they were pretty. So, and we saw in verse 2 that the sons of God, the thing that we are drawn to in verse 2 is when the sons of God evaluated these women, it's all about their eyes. Their eyes. They should have had bad eyesight like me. <laughs> I did that one time. I arrived in Germany and there's so much pornography all over the airport and stuff. I just took my glasses off. You know, I'm blind. I'm very blind. I can't see any of you right now. But anyway, I did that. Well, anyways, they had good eyesight, I guess. So anyway, so they, they, they saw these women and they were very taken with them. And uh, that was bad. And it was all about what they saw. And, and they were lured by these women and they were drawn in. And if you really think about this, they became somewhat sort of like an intoxicated, like drunk, with the sight of the beauty of these daughters of the devil and the sons of God. They, they wanted them based only on their outward appearance. That was it. They didn't care about their character. They didn't care whether or not they were going to be one with them spiritually and where they stood with God. They didn't care about that. They just were like, oh. And those sons of God, they didn't want any advice about the matter either. They didn't, there's no indication here. They weren't calling on the name of God now to find out what God thought about them getting married to these women. They weren't interested in that. As a matter of fact, they were so taken that they were willing to sacrifice calling on the name of God. Sacrifice walking with God. Get those beautiful women. And they didn't ask counsel from anyone, it appears here, because it says there in verse 2, they chose independently. They chose. Very important. They saw, they took, they chose. These are the ones they chose. Very, very, it conveys to us the stubbornness, this headstrong stubbornness of the sons of God. They wanted these women, and it was no one else's business. And everybody tried to, have, to, to give them advice, it's none of your business. You know, that's, a, that's attitude. And if anyone didn't like it, they wouldn't get a wedding invitation. So, but the daughters of the devil, they just come on the scene here. And seeing what happened to these sons of God, that's a warning to us. A very clear warning. You know, if you like to turn to it in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh in his mind, he standeth. Take heed, lest he also fall. The minute we think we are strong and we are immune from falling, that's for somebody else. That's when we're in their greatest danger of falling. According to this verse, that's what it says. It's a warning sign when you think, you know, I'm pretty stable. I've been a Christian for a long time. I walked with God. Uh, well, that uh, fell over there. He fell, that poor guy. Well, you know, not me. That's the danger sign. That's the danger sign that Paul's referring to here. He says, when you think that you're strong, watch out. Turn, if you would, also to 1 Timothy 4.16, where Paul, the father, the spiritual father, is pouring out his heart in the latter part of his life, getting ready to pass the baton on to Timothy of care for the churches. And he says to him some advice in 1 Timothy 4.16. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. 
continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now here's the great Apostle Paul speaking to the great Timothy. And he needed to take heed in two areas. He's telling him, he says, Timothy, like Paul, his father, saying, Timothy, listen to me, Timothy. There's two areas you need to be very, very careful of. First, he said, take heed to thyself. In other words, he was saying, watch out for your personal life. Take a look, Timothy, at your life. You know, my wife is a gardener. You know, why is she a gardener? Because she comes from Ohio. And she comes from Akron, Ohio. Uh, Everybody in Akron, Ohio has gardens, you know. But I'm not a gardener. Why am I not a gardener? Because I come from West Los Angeles. Nobody has gardens in West Los Angeles. When I was growing up, no one had gardens. Except for some of the students that raised marijuana at that time. But apart from that, nobody had any gardens, you know. So anyway, my wife at our house has raised beds. You know what those are? And um, they're... But her beds are about this high, you know, so I told you, you still have to bend over. If there were beds for me, they'd be this high, so at least she couldn't have to bend it. But anyway, she, it doesn't matter. It's about that tall. And so she's planted tomatoes in them and squash in them. And every evening, she would go out. It was a big, huge, huge thing. She would prepare the soil and she'd buy all these, you know, soil additives. And, you know, she would, like, run the soil like it's gold through her hands, you know, and get it all prepared and mixed and everything through her filters. And I'm thinking, it's so dirty. But anyway, and then she would carefully plant the seedlings, you know. And every evening she'd go out and water it. And what did I do? I set up a chair and watched her. What else are you going <laughs> to And, uh, well, no, I mean, I did that because, first of all, I'm not a gardener. But second of all, if, if I went to do that, I never can do it up to her standards, you know. So I don't even try, you know, because for, for me, it's like, you know, how soon can we get through this dirty mess and, and get it finished, you know. But she never wants it to end. For her, she loves it. It's like a process. Why? Because she loves to garden. And so, anyway, every evening, she would go out to the garden and she would inspect it. And there'd be all the drama about, you know, the cutter worms that would come, you know, and, and, and eat up the tomato leaves. And I said, well, you know, and so I went online and I found that you could buy these strips of copper and tack them down and you would like electrocute them. You know, that was enjoyable. So that's what I did. You know, I put that around there. <laughs> anyway, so, but she would inspect every night. And what she would do is she would look for any new sprouts of weeds, you know, and immediately take them out every day. I mean, she was meticulous. You know, that's kind of what Paul was asking Timothy to do. He was saying to Timothy, when he said, take heed unto thyself, he was saying, Timothy, take heed. Is there a new sprout of pride that's come up overnight? Dig it out early. He said, Timothy, is there a new sprout of some bitterness and some refusal to forgive somebody? You're holding it against them. You kind of have that sort of parked in the back of your heart that I'm waiting for. I would love to get evenness. He says, dig it out early. Timothy, is there a new sprout of some uncontrolled lust? Something that you're sort of interested in, you know, that is going to draw you away from God. Dig it out, Timothy. That's where the sons of God fell in Genesis 6. And the second area, so that was the first area, take heed unto thyself. 
And the second area that Paul was instructing Timothy to take heed of was to the doctrine that needed to be continued in. The doctrine that needed to be continued in. So he was telling him, how would Timothy know when, when he was in danger of being led astray by a false doctrine? How would Timothy know? Well, there's some telltale signs of a seducing doctrine. There's some telltale signs of, of when a false doctrine has come in. Now, here's some of the telltale signs. First of all, false doctrines typically come with a spark of all of a sudden. Another enlightening and edifying message from the Old Testament from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. And if you enjoy Tom Cantor's teaching, you'll love his writings. Now, Tom Cantor has written a powerful book that details 194 prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Now, this book will show scriptures comparatively from the Old Testament prophecy with the New Testament fulfillment. Now, over 500 scriptures are denoted in this Prophecy and Fulfillment book by Tom Cantor. This amazing study reveals how Jesus of Nazareth was not just a historic figure, but the fulfillment of God's foretold plan to bring salvation to the Jews and Gentiles alike. A must-have for any Christian at Christmas time, and a great gift to give any Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of who the Jewish Messiah really is. Now, you can order this book, Prophecy and Fulfillment, by Tom Cantor by calling 800 247 3051 800-247-3051 again 800-247-3051 you can also order it online at our online bookstore located at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org and you can also download Tom Cantor's messages for free at friendshipwithgod.org or on itunes.com 800-247-3051 thanks for listening and join us tomorrow 